helping you achieve freedom and independence. This is The Phil Kennedy Show, where you learn how to take control of your financial future. Now, listening, guiding, and injecting hope, America's money coach, Phil Kennedy. What's up, everyone? Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. This is The Phil Kennedy Show. I'm listening, guiding, and injecting hope into your financial situation. Thanks for tuning in live here on this Saturday evening here on the 4th of July weekend. Took the month of June off, decided to recover, recoup, relax, and I think it did me some good. But I'm back at it again, doing a quick show here on Saturday night. Phone number for live calls, 571-520-PHIL. Again, that's 571-520-PHIL. I'd love to take some live calls this evening. Otherwise, it's just going to be me talking about some of the recent events and articles that uh, have been taking place here in the United States. The first one I want to get to is some of the free money that Uncle Sam happens to be giving away. And that's in the form of the child tax credit. Child tax credit checks are coming this month. Biden says President Joe Biden highlighted that many parents will begin getting checks in the mail this month under the new child tax credit as he seized on a strong jobs report to argue his economic policies are working. Well, that's good to hear. As part of the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan approved in March, the federal government will start sending out monthly checks to parents who qualify for the annual credit of $3,600 per child under six and $3,000 for those older. Biden said a middle-class family with two young children can expect a monthly check of $600 for the next 12 months. The payments were part of a broader case Biden made Friday to argue that his economic policies are working. Republicans have criticized the direct stimulus elements of his plan, saying that the expanded unemployment benefits were keeping workers on the sidelines and that the influx of cash into the economy would lead to high inflation. Well, we know this just from observation. If you were to tell the average person, hey, you can go to work and make X or you can stay home and make X minus $100. Unless X was 100 bucks, uh, you probably would get them to stay home. And I think that's just because Americans, like most people around the world, are reasonable. They respond to incentives. And if the government makes the incentive higher to stay home, rather than work, then most folks are going to take them up on Uncle Sam's offer. The article continued here. I want to get to brass tacks. Despite the gains, economists and policymakers warned there are still warning signs for the economy ahead and a long path ahead toward getting back to pre-pandemic employment levels. The U.S. economy is still $6.7 million jobs short of where it was before the pandemic. Employers have been struggling to find workers, and there's a range of possible explanations about the ongoing labor shortages, from expanded unemployment insurance benefits to concerns about the threat 
of the virus and the lack of child care. I'm pretty sure you can lay that at the foot of expanded unemployment insurance. Uh, the other two seem like things they just tossed in there to take our eye off the ball. And using the moment to promote the success of his COVID-19 relief plan, he made a sales pitch for his nearly $600 billion infrastructure plan that would spend billions on roadways, water infrastructure, and public transit. We have a chance to seize this economic momentum of the first months of my administration to not just build back, as I've been saying, but build back better, Biden said. The White House said the Congressional Budget Office now projects economic growth of 7.4% in 2021, up from 37 and for the unemployment rate to hit 4.6% by the end of the year and return to pre-pandemic levels by the end of 2022. This to me seems a little optimistic. Let me know your thoughts in the live chat. We got TWM chiming in. Hey, Phil, what's up to you? Call in right now. Zero calls, it seems, but I'm still taking your calls and uh, would be glad to hear from you to get your take on the child tax credit. Another cushy benefit to those Americans who've been hurt by the pandemic. The IRS notifying everyone that if you didn't file a return in 2020, or if you did and you just had your first child this year, that you can go ahead and notify them. And from what I understand, you will start receiving that benefit beginning July 15th. So if you filed a return in 2020 and you indicated that you had children back then, you're going to be fine. The money will start rolling in on July 15th. On the other hand, if uh, you didn't have kids back then, then you're going to need to notify them using the online tool. I'm sure this only applies to a small minority of folks around the country, but if you're in this position, it'd be nice to get that 600 bucks a month in advance rather than having to wait till you file your 2020, 2021 return in April of next year. So one of the questions I've gotten recently is on health savings accounts. Even though I'm a CPA, I'm not a tax accountant, I don't really pay much attention to this sort of thing because it doesn't affect me personally, but it is worth noting that if you are eligible for a health savings account, this is potentially a good place for one to put some cash. And that's because it's protected from the government's sticky little fingers and getting more hand, more of their fingers on your hands. I had an article here, a PDF, and I want to bring it up because I think it's very helpful. It puts something like this in terms that we can all understand. The article is entitled, What's a Health Savings Account? Let's just go over it together so that we don't sound totally ignorant if this topic happens to come up the next time you're at a cocktail party. So a health savings account is a type of personal savings account you can get set up to pay certain health care costs. An HSA allows you to put money away and withdraw tax-free as long as you use it for certain qualified medical expenses. 
You're eligible to contribute to an HSA when you're covered by certain high deductible health plans. Commit that term to memory, HDHP, because we're going to see that in a little bit. You, can, you can't contribute, however, to an HSA if you have medical coverage or a plan that pays its share of a covered service without you having to pay deductibles or co-payments first, first called first dollar coverage. Okay, that's fine. HSAs are offered through a bank, insurance company, or other financial institution. The money you contribute to the account isn't taxed as long as it's used for your out-of-pocket medical costs like, and there's a list here, doctor's visits, drugs, acupuncture, ambulance costs, hearing aids, psychological therapy, and qualified long-term care services. That last one is an important one for our folks over 60. And if you're walking around over the age of 60, consider shopping around for a long-term care policy because that is something that's only going to get more expensive as you age. In some cases, you can spend the money on similar medical costs for your spouse and or dependents, and your money rolls over year to year if you don't spend it. That's good to know. Uh, generally, HSA eligible plans are available through the marketplace, small business helps options programs, or outside of the marketplace. HSA eligible plans are also available in most states that uh, use healthcare.gov. So how do you find an eligible plan? That's boring. Let's skip that. What are the benefits of an HSA? That's really what we want to get to here. There's no federal income tax. That's first and foremost. You're not taxed on money you put into or on interest earned in an HSA account. You also pay no tax on withdrawals for qualified medical expenses. Note, generally you can't treat insurance premiums as qualified medical expenses. Okay, that's fair enough. But pay attention. If you're going to use an HSA, make sure it's on qualified medical expenses. There's no expiration date on the funds. Your HSA contributions do not expire. The money stays in the HSA until you decide to use it. You can use it for your spouse and dependents. In some cases, you can use your HSA to pay for qualified medical expenses for your spouse and dependents, even if they're not covered under that HDHP plan. You can keep the HSA if your job changes, so it's portable, just like a 401k. And if you change employers or retire, take it with you. That's one benefit. So how do the withdrawals work? This is important to understand, almost like the requirements for an IRA. You don't want to remove these funds too early, and you certainly don't want to pay a penalty. So let's figure out what that's all about. You may contribute to your HSA only when you're enrolled in a qualified HDHP with no other coverage that disqualifies you. Anyone can contribute to their HSA, like family members, friends, and employers. And the table below here, this is from 2019 and 2020. So these figures are probably slightly higher here in 2021. I apologize for that, but we'll take a look at the limits here in a second. Show the maximum amounts you can put into an HSA. These limits may depend on the type of HDHP coverage you have and when you qualified for an HSA. That's slightly complicated, but here's the important part. If you're 55 or older, you can contribute an extra thousand bucks to your HSA each year, and that's called a catch-up. And uh, your spouse can also contribute to theirs, but they can't contribute to yours. There's one more thing here that I think we need to talk about, and that is the money you take from your HSA to pay for 
or be reimbursed for qualified medical expenses is tax-free. But if you take the money out before you're 65 from your HSA for non-medical costs or medical costs that don't qualify as an HSA cost, you'll have to pay the federal income tax and a 20% penalty. So certainly make sure that you're doing your research and making 100% sure that when you take this money out, it indeed qualifies or you're going to end up paying two sums there that you don't want to hand over to the IRS. If you take funds from your HSA after you're 65 for non-medical costs, you won't have to pay the 20% penalty, but you'll still have to pay the federal income tax on that amount. That's slightly better, but uh, if you happen to be my age, 65 is a long way away. And you're not worried about it. Well, that's just something I wanted to share with everyone because I had a question about it recently, and it's a complicated thing. It doesn't apply to everyone. Maybe not everyone has an HDHP plan, but anytime you can protect your money from the government's sticky fingers, then you ought to take advantage of that. And the HSA is certainly one of the ways to do it. Still taking your comments, questions, and calls. Feel free to call in 571-520-PHIL. We'll take a break. And when we come back, I will have a short announcement. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in on this Saturday evening, 4th of July weekend. See you in a minute. Are you feeling a pain related to money? Would you like some help with that? If so, I'd love to be your money coach. Simply head over to my calendar by clicking the schedule now link below. Set up your free consultation to see if we can work together to meet your needs. We'll discuss your personal situation and goals without any judgment. When you're ready to apply what you're learning on my show, then come check out philipkennedy.com. Okay, we're back. 571-520-PHIL. Get your questions lined up. I'd love to hear from you. You know, guys like Dave Ramsey make this look easy because they just sit there with their arms crossed and their callers do all the work. When you haven't built up your show yet, like I have, have not then you've got to be dancing the entire time. So that's what we're doing. But uh, we'll, we'll keep it brief. We're hitting all the important topics that you need to know about with the next one being student loans. If you don't have a student loan, if uh, you weren't fleeced by the education Ponzi scheme, then good for you. On the other hand, you probably know someone who was. And especially if it's your kid, it's likely a source of consternation for you. I don't know if folks can remember, but there was that father who went to meet Elizabeth Warren when she was running for president. And he asked her, you know, ma'am, I recently paid off my daughter's student loans. Will you be reimbursing me for that? And she quickly replied, well, no. I mean, if you've already paid them off, then we won't be forgiving those loans. And he said, all right, well, thanks a lot. And he just walked off. And really, that is some of the insidious behavior that's created when you create this moral hazard. When you say to one group, hey, we're going to forgive your loans. On the other hand, if folks were disciplined and they created a monthly budget and they built those financial muscles and they got out of debt and paid off their student loans with their own hard-earned money, then they're penalized. And 
that is something that unfortunately we should not have here in the United States. But this article from the Wall Street Journal, student loan holders get piecemeal relief from Biden administration. Congress White House so far appear unwilling to take sweeping actions to cancel student debt. Agreed. I would not hold my breath on this, folks. In fact, more than 43 million Americans owe a collective $1.6 trillion in federal student loans. The Biden administration is considering extending a pandemic freeze on Americans' student loan payments beyond its scheduled expiration in September and turning to piecemeal measures to lower their student debt bills. Five months into his term, President Biden has resisted calls from fellow Democrats and activists to cancel most of America's $1.6 trillion in federal student debt in one swoop through an executive action. Congress also appears unlikely to make it happen because Democrats lack the Republican support they would need to pass such a measure. The article continues here. Mr. Biden's education secretary, Miguel Cardona, told a congressional panel last month that the administration is considering extending the payment freeze beyond September. Asked for a comment on that possibility, an administrative official said, Mr. Biden continues to look into what debt relief actions can be taken administratively. The official restated Mr. Biden's desire for Congress to pass a new law to forgive $10,000 in student debt for every federal borrower. Well, what's the problem with that? The problem is regardless of whether debt is canceled, if there isn't a subsequent or parallel ceiling placed on tuition prices, these universities are just going to do the same thing that they did when the government decided to roll out this education plan funded with government guaranteed loans. They're just going to raise their prices for tuition by the exact same amount. And in an environment where we're already seeing the prices of almost everything rise due to inflation, then it's nearly guaranteed that canceling out student debt is just going to cause the prices of your tuition to go up by an equal amount. So this isn't going to do anything to lower the cost of education. And if anything, it might just exacerbate it. Unfortunately, I think really what we need to get, do is get back to a free market in education. And this would do what it does to everything else in the economy with lower prices and raise quality. Still taking your calls, 571-520-PHIL. Doesn't look like we have had anyone take me up on the offer yet. We'll go to the next article here. This one coming from USA Today. USA Today reporting that the national debt per American piles up after coronavirus, Great Recession, and tax cuts. Since the turn of the century, the amount of debt per person has more than tripled. I want to get, this is a lengthy article. I'll place it here in the live chat in case you'd like to check it out later. But it is really a travesty what's taken place over half of my lifetime, the last 20 years, ever since 9-11. It seems like financially we've just been completely out of control. USA Today doing what it does best, 
putting in lots of graphs and charts. But there's important pieces that I highlighted here. So the first one being less than 50 years ago, America's debt was one tenth of today's debt in 2020 dollars and a quarter of the country's GDP. When you compare that with today, that means we're 10 times higher. And as opposed to 25% of GDP, we're over 100%. Here's the real kicker. So they put all these charts, US debt per person, following presidential administrations in a stack of dollar bills. And there were some times when it was good, you know, the stack was shorter than the height of a man. Uh, but then as you get down here towards uh, guns and butter, or uh, you know, big government, the welfare warfare state, it slowly but surely gets taller than the height of a man. And if by the time we get to the Obama and Trump administrations, the stack is 22 feet nine inches tall with a debt per person of uh, $65,530 as of last year. So we're completely out of control and it's unsustainable. We're on the road to serfdom. But you do not have to participate in that from a personal standpoint by getting on a monthly budget, building an emergency fund, investing for retirement so that you can one day leave the workforce with dignity and not have to rely on Uncle Sam. These are the things I'm talking about in my one-on-one -on -one consultations. And if you'd like to take me up on that, feel free to click that link in the description box below. Set up your free consultation and we'll talk about the things that are important to you whether they be the things I mentioned or things like medical care, getting into a mortgage, building a savings account, emergency fund, funding that retirement plan, all those things. That's what we're talking about over on my free consultations. Uh, one piece of good news that I wanted to share with you. I recently became a Ramsey preferred coach. Thanks to many of you for those who follow me on my newsletter they were kind enough to reply to my request for no's. This was part of becoming a Ramsey Preferred Coach, and I made that accomplishment, I guess it was like a few weeks ago, and uh, I couldn't have done it without you. The thing is, is you've got to go through these steps of not only interviewing people, under reviewing the content, but also getting out there, putting your name out there, getting no's. And that was one of the areas that many of you folks on my email list were very helpful with. If you want to join that email list, go down in the description box, hit that link and sign up and you'll get a message from me every weekend about things that I'm finding important. Along those lines, one other thing I'd like to share is I'm having so much fun with the Financial Peace University course that I've been coordinating that I'm doing it again, beginning on July... Well, no, maybe it's not. Yeah, it is July. July 21st, I'll be kicking off another FPU. We've had a great group in the recent class that I've been coordinating. We get together every Wednesday night around 7 o'clock. We talk about all the things that I talk about here on the show and also what's important to you. It's a nine-week course. We meet for one hour every Wednesday night, and it's probably the most affordable way to teach yourself the basics and really overcome a lot of the obstacles and hurdles that our own government has placed in front of us. Things like student loan debt, inflation, 
credit cards, easy access to credit, things like that. So if you'd like to be a part of that, consider signing up. I think for as little as $59, you can take this course, you and your spouse. So it's a no brainer and we're having a lot of fun and you'll meet cool people from all across the country who probably think, act and feel a lot like you. One of the important things you're going to learn about over there, and I've been using this literally every day, my wife and I, is how to budget. And that is using the Every Dollar Budget app. This is one of the best tools I've found in recent years because with the advancements in technology, you and your household can be on the same page more so than ever before. You know, in my house, we always used a spreadsheet and it worked great for a really long time. But the problem with a simple spreadsheet is you don't feel the transactions every single day. Sure, you talked about them and maybe you agreed about them at the beginning of the month. But when you and your partner have a app on your phone that's telling you every single day, Hey, this is what he spent. This is what she spent. This is what we both spent. The amount of accountability that comes with that is really phenomenal. And then you literally take your transactions, if you have connected it to your bank account, and you just slide them right into those budget line items. And you can see over time how you're able to save more than you ever thought was possible. And it's because most of this with regard to money is all about discipline. It has very little to do with not making enough or not knowing enough. We all know this stuff, especially those who tune into the Phil Kennedy show. But the reality is we all need a checkup. And just like if you need a coach in CrossFit or to play basketball or for your kid's soccer team or for a musical instrument, we all need a coach with money. I have a coach when it comes to money. And this is something that is one half of every transaction in the world. So it's important. And our ability to do the things we want later in life heavily relies upon understanding these basics. Well, that's really all I got this week. I've been happy to host another episode of the Phil Kennedy Show. I wish we had some callers. Maybe we'll get some next weekend. But it's good to see you. Take me up on some of those offers I mentioned. Don't forget to sign up for the email list. Check out my next FPU class beginning on July 21st. Hit that link. And uh, I'll put that in the description box after the show ends. Take me up on a free consultation, 30 minutes, anytime at your convenience. Just hit that Calendly link in the box below. Sign up for a time that is good for you. And we'll get together and talk about what's important. But uh, if I don't have any more comments and callers here, it looks like we got one comment here from James Thompson. Let's see what he has to say. Hi, Phil. Glad you're back with the child tax credit people will receive in July. Is it coming from our 2021 tax filings? And does that mean people will have less to claim next year? Yeah, James, from what I understand in that article, it says they're almost front loading half of it so that you can get it earlier and you'll get the other half when you file your 2021 tax return. So this is a way to shift the money from the tax 
credit that you would ordinarily received and put it in your pocket now. Uh, so some accounting gimmicks there from my standpoint, but you know, better than a kick in the teeth and probably needed for a lot of people who've been out of work and things like that. Good question. Bobby Jones tuning in. Thanks for the thumbs up. Thanks for subscribing, liking, make sure to smash the likes again. I'll be back next week. I'm back on the horse. I'd really like to hear your calls and make the show a lot more fun and uh, also easier on yours truly. So I don't necessarily have to dance the whole time. All right. Oh, final thing too. If you're only catching the show on YouTube, be sure to get it on iTunes and Stitcher. We're still over there on those platforms and you can listen on the go in the convenience of your car, your office, cubicle, whatever. Thanks to all these good folks who helped put the Phil Kennedy show together. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Phil Kennedy show. For more, you can watch the show live on YouTube or listen on iTunes. If you would like to speak with Phil, then click the schedule now link in the show notes. If you enjoyed the Phil Kennedy show, then be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes.